Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 446 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Happy New Year. Yes. Happy New Year to you. Tis the time for resolutions if that's your thing. It is, but it's not what we're talking about today. So if you need a little bit more time on your resolutions, um, we got you. We usually come around to resolutions talk later in January, would you say, Megan? Yes, but I would agree that this is the kind of topic that a lot of people might be feeling resolved to um, be more intentional about this year. And of course, we're talking about sustainability and or or whatever you want to call it, like sustainability having become the catch-all phrase for being environmentally conscious. Um, being having a, a smaller footprint, I suppose. Yeah. So maybe that is someone who's listening. Maybe that's one of the resolutions. Totally. And I do think that post holidays, at least I, in my experience, the overwhelm of stuff and wrapping paper and mm -hmm. excess food that sometimes gets thrown away, even if you don't think of yourself as super sustainability minded, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of our listeners can relate to just want <laughs> wanting to burn it all down temporarily yes. and just have a yeah. little less stuff, a little less waste. Um, and so I guess that's a great place to kind of kick off is what sustainability actually means. And I like, what does it literally mean? What does it come to mean in our culture? And then maybe most relevant to today, what does it kind of mean um, to us personally? And then later we'll talk about what we're doing that falls under sustainability kind of umbrella in our homes and also what we're not doing. Yeah, Sarah. Well, I know you're going to school us in a moment about what sustainable actually means, at least as far as a dictionary definition goes. Um, I think it's kind of funny that I believe it was me that suggested this title. Yeah. Um, Megan and Sarah get sustainable. And then I started to realize how annoyed I am with the whole idea of sustainability and what it supposedly means right now and like how it's become this catchphrase because it often seems like it it means a lot of buying and spending money on like the sustainable version mm. of things we don't really need or there's this idea that technology or or whatever the better product can sort of save us like we can buy our way out of a problem mm -hmm. um and i just don't really think <laughs> like philosophically i don't agree with that so on the one hand of course i want to live more sustainably but on the other hand i'm like what even is sustainable like is it even reasonable to expect us to be able to continue the way we live in a sustainable fashion and i don't know why don't you tell me what it means to be sustainable and then we can figure this out well i will and i think this is a fun place to start. But also, I just want to say, it sounds like what you're reacting to is um, the concept being co-opted and used as a marketing strategy, which I think you and I both 
have a reaction to that. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about new motherhood and things that are marketed to new moms solving problems that yes. maybe aren't even problems to begin with. So I think that's a very fair, I think that is a critique we all should be at least unpacking. And then if we do decide to buy the sustainable version of right. a thing, then it's a, it's a mindful choice. But yeah, I, th- I think that's a very fair pushback. Um, okay. Are you ready for the the basic dictionary definition of sustainability? Um, I'm going to read you kind of the, the two that come under the same heading. So one is the ability to be maintained at a certain rate or level, as in the sustainability of economic growth. Or like in my household, if I said like, this is not sustainable, meaning right. like this cannot actually continue in its present <laughs> mode. This cannot stand. Yeah. It, yes. yeah. And then the other one is uh, the avoidance of the depletion of natural resources in order to maintain an ecological balance. So the pursuit of global environmental sustainability. And I would say, I mean, that just came up under the dictionary definition, but that is, I think, what we think of nowadays in this. Right. That's more what most people new- mean. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I actually found a graph like in the same dictionary um, entry that shows the usage over time for the word sustainability. And you're looking at it in our outline, Megan, but basically like a huge spike um, in the last 20 years or so, but like just a complete upward um, graph of marketing got to it, right? Marketing got to it. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also liked this definition that was a little bit chewier and gave me something to think about. And so it's a little longer, but I'll read it. Sustainability involves fulfilling our human needs without compromising future generations ability to do the same along with natural resources. Sustainability requires social and economic resources. Sustainability is not just environmentalism. It factors in economic development and social equity. So I I really liked that phrasing of fulfilling our human needs without compromising future generations ability to do the same, because I think you can apply that lens to a lot of different um, aspects of family life and parenting, not just around stuff or um, environmental resources. Well, one thing that definitely when I was thinking on this dictionary definition and then the, the other chewier definite chewier definition is that at some point it all conflicts. Like it almost, and this I think is actually, yes, it's a, it's a marketing thing that I push back on. That makes me bristle. The idea that if you buy more and more and more, that somehow helps when actually you didn't need the thing to begin with, but it's more than that too. It's like, is this even possible? Is it actually possible to have both environmental and economic sustainability Mm -hmm. the way we define that now and the sustainability of family life and the sustainability of whatever, all these other things. It's like they're all in direct conflict with each other. So you're like running around in circles, trying to have all of it. And you could almost argue that at some point everything becomes unsustainable. So like a lifestyle (laughs) that's unsustainable right now, maybe won't be when you're older and you have less energy or whatever. Like I'm just throwing that out as an option. And this idea that things can just grow, 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 and never become unsustainable if we just like throw money at it or, or whatever feels to me uh, unrealistic. Yeah. And I think it um, primes us to, it pits us against each other a little bit in the way that we are already so polarized right now yeah. in society. Like if you are making choices around, um, conservation or climate concerns, you might be, um, spending more money or having a bigger carbon footprint because you're having something non-toxic shipped from across the country. Like it's like that thing that I always mention, and and you don't know the reference because you haven't watched the good place, but Chidi in the good place, like just ties himself up in knots about the best choice of everything. And it always ends in like, you know, almond farming is, you know, like not <laughs> yeah, good for right. the earth. And he thought he was choosing the right milk for his latte. And it's like, there's no right answer. And I, I think people are getting a little tired of that, which I think is a good thing. So I I'm excited for this conversation today because I think we're starting out like sustainability is going to mean something very different to me in my house and you in your house and for sure to every listener. Um, so hopefully we can set aside the idea that there is one way to do it. Or like you said, we're just acknowledging that there's inherent contradictions in this effort. Right. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So for the purposes of this episode, where I am using the word sustainable to mean something that maybe it doesn't really mean, but I'm (laughs) going to use it that way anyway, 
I think for me, it would mean trying to create a world. Gosh, how do I even say this? Like trying to help leave the world better than I found it. And that that has nothing. That's not really possible. And I can't do that myself. But not being a source of it becoming worse. Mm -hmm. And I do actually think that could apply both to environmental. Like if you if you go that broad. Mm -hmm. I do think that can be um, applied to a lot of things. It can be applied to the way I consume things in my home. It could be applied to the way I treat people. It could be applied to the way I invest in my community or don't. Like there's a lot of things that could that could apply to. And then within that, there's a zillion little choices, right? And like you said, sometimes that choice is buying less. Sometimes that choice is spending more on the better version of a product. Like there's a lot yeah. of individual choices we can make, but that would sort of be the principle, like not to add, like to first do no harm. Yeah. I I think you articulated that really well. I'm feeling like my definition of sustainability, I don't even know if I can put it into a complete sentence. I feel like it's more like pillars, like a one Mm. pillar for, for me is mindful consumption, that there's no amount of water or amount of fast fashion or amount of meat that's like, like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to buy that. It's more like I, I really want to value, appreciate, acknowledge and, um, and, and be knowledgeable about the consumption choices I'm making. And for me, that helps make micro decisions in a landscape that's very complicated. Um, because like I said, like someone could scorecard me on sustainability and I'd fail in a lot of, like a lot of areas. But um, if it comes back to not wasting um, or, or working toward not wasting, I, I think not wasting is probably too lofty a goal, but um, consuming mindfully and also um, checking the impulse to overcomplicate life, like you said, with stuff. Um, so that sounds like minimal, minimalism, but I don't really think I'm a minimalist. It's more just... Um, resisting the marketing, the pressure, um, and the urge to add more stuff to solve problems when in fact, maybe the solution doesn't require more stuff and more purchases. So that was way less succinct than yours. Well, but I like that you touched on a few different things. And, and one of those, um, like resisting the urge to buy something to be a solution. I think that there's a lot of reasons we consume um, mm-hmm. and buy and add to that, that problem. And sometimes it's because we think something is going to solve a problem. And sometimes it's because we think we're the problem. I mean, I think there's just so many reasons we overconsume. And I think when we talk today about the things that we personally are doing in our homes to like specific little things and some bigger things that we're both doing in our homes to kind of reverse that, I feel like it's, uh, it's a practice really. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, and overcoming that urge to, for the easy fix or the emotional, um, like the emotional bandaid or yeah. whatever it is we get out of that consuming. And sometimes it's one and sometimes it's another. Yeah. There's all kinds of reasons our garages fill up with Amazon boxes. Yes. Yes. So many reasons. I, I want to say one more thing, um, especially sort of geared toward moms of a, a, a lot of small children. Um, I think often the the piece that gets left out about sustainability left out of sustainability conversations is your own time and energy like it is unsustainable to add complication to a life that's already full and very busy yeah. and i think you that is that is the thing that you and i resist when it comes to me- messaging and marketing that especially targets new parents um so as we move through these things i guess i just invite moms to think about what is also sustainable for your, your time, energy, and bandwidth, because we are in a different phase and stage of life, you and I, and we've joked off the podcast about these kind of silly sustainability pursuits we've gotten into that I I think we both agree we would not have had any room for 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And I think sometimes the thing that we get into isn't the thing that moves the needle anyway. It's like, there's, you know, I'm going to kind of describe something I'm doing that is kind of little and silly. And if I didn't do that thing, 
the world would be not much worse off right. <laughs> than it is now. Maybe not at all worse off, but it triggers something in me. Like it's um something, it's a, it's a, again, I'm returning to this word practice. It's just a practice to remind myself that I can choose a different way or yeah. that maybe I don't need to do things just because I don't need to buy things just because I've always bought them or, or do things a certain way just because that's what it seems like everybody else is doing. And I think a lot of that is this, it's, it's, big, but it's personal too. Yes, it is. And, and I think, um, it will be most sustainable in the original sense of the word. If you can find an entry point that feels personal to you, that feels doable to you. Um, and that isn't at odds with your lifestyle. So yeah. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah. So we're going to talk about some specific stuff that we are doing in our homes that we feel is contributing to the effort to be more personally sustainable. Whatever Um, that means. Whatever that means to you. I do think it's fun that some of these are like brand new things that we're doing. And some of them are more things that we've circled around, gotten away from, gotten back into, gotten away from, you know, as life has changed, expanded, contracted, all those things. So it's not like, it's like your efforts don't not count if you stop doing something for yeah. a little while. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think you can kind of tell what is fun or important to us just looking at the things that we continue to come back to. Yeah. So why don't you start and just tell us one of those things? Okay. So this is one that, um, was brand new, brand new to me about a year ago, um, that I now feel really excited about. And like we said, that they, that may be the thing that helps it stick, but we have a zero waste shop in town. And I feel like I should start by explaining what that is because like a year ago, I don't even think I knew what that was. So I had heard about a zero waste co-op or I'm trying to think of the other, there's a couple other names that get floated around, but I will describe mine. I'll shout it out. It's called Sunkissed Pantry in Santa Barbara, and it sells mostly home and pantry. So dry goods and home supplies like cleaning supplies and things like that, where you can bring a container and refill from 
The products are natural. They're affordable. Um, they're mostly of very simple, um, you know, um, ingredients list. Um, so it's interesting already. We kind of have two different sustainability angles here. One is kind of reducing plastic and shipping and all those things. Cause I'm literally bringing a Mason jar and filling it up with, um, laundry powdered laundry detergent, for example, or dried lentils. So there's like the packaging savings, but there's also then the ingredients themselves are very clean and environmentally friendly. And so she has the owner is a mom and a, it's a locally owned shop and she has containers there. If you don't have your own containers, you can borrow or buy like repurposed jars. They don't look cute or fancy. It's just like, you know, everybody's old salsa jars and stuff. Um, and then you go around and you can fill up and you pay by weight. So you can fill up. I buy dish soap, um, hand soap. I've tried their lotion um, makeup remover. I'm just trying to list off a bunch of things so you can get a, a general idea. Um, so there's the whole refill stations. They're kind of at these big tables in the center of the shop. And then on the walls, she has bulk dry goods, similar to what you'd see in like a whole foods or a sprout. So you can get lentils, um, loose leaf tea, pot, like whole grain, like dried pastas, beans, that kind of thing. Um, and I have tried some of those dry grocery items. And then on the other wall, um, it's like, basically like a cute boutique of all sort of products that fall under this general, like, um, low waste topic. So like cute, like, uh, the beeswax wraps that you mentioned, Megan, or alternatives to paper towels or, um, some other, like, these would be things that are not re these are new. These are new kind of boutique items that you can try, um, and purchase from her. And there's a teeny little section in the back. That's vintage clothing just to make it, it extra Sarah, extra. extra for Sarah and like a yeah. little display of like locally made jewelry. So like the experience of going in feels like going into a boutique only I'm refilling hand soaps, lotions, the owner's so darling. She always has a baby on her hip and like a fun conversationalist. So it's like the experience of going into the refill shop is 100% what makes me feel like I'm being this like ideal sustainable person. And so much of it is like that identity. It's like, I am a person who goes to the refill shop and I'm just admitting like that does nothing for the earth. That is all like, but it's motivating for for you. And I think there's research behind that, right? Like there's research behind the idea that if I feel like it was in one of the habit, maybe atomic habits or Mm -hmm. one of those habits books, but if you start to identify yourself as a person who gets up early, a person who runs every day, whatever the thing is, in your case, I am a person who washes out my jars and refills them Uh at the the refillery, then you become more and more of that thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that there's value in that, even if a little bit of the value is your ego, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I've yeah. also learned a lot too. Like every time I go, I feel, I said to her last time, I was like, it feels so intimidating when you've never done this. Like even the act of like, you have to set your stuff on a scale to weigh it to, so that she knows how much to charge you. And you know, like my personality, like I, I don't like that feeling of like, I'm, I'm doing it wrong or I don't know what I'm doing. And so you do have to push through a little bit of that discomfort. But every time I go, I try something that I haven't tried before. And I learn a little bit more. And I, you know, there are some products I've tried from there that I'm like, eh, next time I'm just going to buy that at target. Like it's not, it's not all or nothing, but it's been a really fun thing to try. So I love this. Now you and I have talked a lot about the fact that I kind of dabbled with the idea of starting one of these stores, because there is nothing like this in my immediate area. There's, I think one like 45 minutes away, that feels a little far for me to go um, only because the way I shop for things like that is pretty sporadic. Um, so I would have to kind of get myself together and go and get all of it at once, which yeah. right now I, I'm just not doing that. But I, I've thought about it because I've seen all kinds. So like I do have a tiny little space that I could use as a tiny little refill space. And there are lots of zero waste and refillery type stores that are really small. They're just maybe you're just going and refill your household goods or you just mm-hmm. do your beauty products or you just do food. I'm thinking back to when, when I lived in bigger cities, I have not lived near a legit food co-op in a long time, but, um, you could go into a food co-op and there would have the, yeah, the like lentils and grains. And sometimes, right. That would be the same area. They might have some other stuff in dispensers and it's like that concept, but cute and fun and fancier Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just more of a, a fun shopping experience. 
I was going to ask you when you reef, like when you weigh, do you do that yourself? Is it like a DIY? Cause I know there's yeah. different ways. Sometimes so, the employee does it. Yeah. So there are these little, I had to learn how to do this. And every single time I have to ask her, her name's Kirsten. So every time I'm like, oh, can you remind me again? So she has it. It's really techie. There's these little wooden tags and you scan them on an iPad. You do it yourself, but you scan the little tag and you zero out your container. So let's say I brought a container that had a little bit. I didn't even clean it out. It has a little bit of dish soap in the bottom, but I'm going to add more dish soap. So it's fine. You zero it out on the little scale and you add this little wooden tag that you've scanned on the iPad and then it knows. So then when you bring it up to her, it's just automatic. But I do. I mean, I have to like be shown. So if you're new to it, the DIY is a little intimidating, but then yeah, it's pretty much DIY. Got it. Yeah. I'm, I love this idea. I, there, I was, I wish there was one closer to me, but it kind of inspires me to go scope out the one that is close to me and see if there's some kind of need I could fill. Because I also think there's ways people are doing businesses like this that aren't always, um, a boutique that's open all the time. I think yeah, there's like a pop-up. I, I think I read about some like, uh, mobile ones too, oh, cool. later oh, like move around really and go to cool. you and are, and are at, um, and things like that. So I have a whole big bag full of spaghetti sauce jars and other things right now that I can't bear to throw away because I keep thinking you're going to go. take them to one of these shops. Well, I will say one last thing them. about this and sustainability is I, I am not up and up on the exact latest about recycling plastic, but just like a, as a regular consumer of information, I'm getting the sense that our plastic is not as happy as we thought it was after we throw it in the recycling bin. And yes, that's just the vibe I'm getting. And, and so, also that perhaps there are barges taking <laughs> yes. it across the ocean to exactly. other countries like, and dumping it. I so don't want to get in a fight and I'm not <laughs> right. like really knowledgeable, but I feel less um, free and clear in my mind about chucking recyclable plastic into a bin than I used to. Let's just say that. So while the zero waste experience is fun for me to go out and do, it actually really has removed some like guilt on the home front because when I, I mean, mason jars are cute and, and, um, kind of trendy, but I will save my lotion, like my pump lotion bottles and I will take those in and fill them back up with lotion. So they're not going. So I've really, it has actually like stopped plastic from coming into the house and going out of the house, which I, I have to think that counts for some, some little thing. Of something. I think it counts for a whole big thing. Yeah. How about that? Um, okay. So mine is also related to trash pile up. Um, my discomfort with trying to recycle things that I wasn't hundred percent sure were actually <laughs> ending up recycled. Um, and I'm just going to kind of lump these three things together. One is that I'm really not using disposable wrap. And by that, I mean, Saran like wrap saran or plastic wrap, wrap uh-huh. which has always been my nemesis anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible it's at tearing it off filled. straight. No, it's not. I hate <laughs> it. Um, but like in the last year or so, I did start using those beeswax wraps, which I don't know that I've described what they are, but it's like a cloth that you that is covered in beeswax, like yep. pliable be- beeswax, and you wrap it around the um, outside of your container, or you could wrap a sandwich up in it, yeah. and it kind of acts like wax paper or foil or plastic wrap. And I just use, I don't use plastic wrap really at all anymore, but I use so much less of any of it now because the beeswax is great. Like it's not going to make a, a airtight seal. So right. there are some things I might use a glass container with a lid anyway, um, just cause it's not going to be quite right. But if it's like a plate with some food on it, yep. or I didn't finish all the oatmeal in my rice cooker or something, I just put the beeswax yeah. wrap over the top and it's great. Um, Another one is that I once again stopped using paper towels pretty much at all unless I'm like washing up a really gross germy mess. Like Mm -hmm. if, you know, I dropped a raw chicken on the counter, I might use paper towel on that. But most of the time I'm using using washcloth towels and cloth napkins. And here's what I loved about this. I had gotten away from it when we moved, when I moved into my current home after getting remarried and I just kind of fell out of the habit of using, um, rags and things like that to clean up in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and having them on the, on the napkins on the table. And all I had to do was buy a little stack of washcloths with Mm -hmm. the scrubby back. Those are in the kitchen and then buy some cloth napkins and come up with a system for rotating through hand towels. This Mm -hmm. took you know, uh, not very long. This was not the work of a, of a day. Even it was like an hour. 
And then I just never thought to pick up the paper towels again. It was just a really good reminder that sometimes if I want to do something, I really just have to put what I want to use in front of me and make it easier than reaching for the thing I don't want. I am a very compulsive cleaner. I'm often just walking around touching up surfaces with whatever cloth is nearby. And if it was a paper towel, without even thinking about it, if there was a roll of paper towels just sitting out, I was grabbing that. And now I'm just not anymore. And that is just a nice reminder that you can kind of come in and out of these things. Yes. Yep. And that, and that small changes for like where things are placed and what you reach for, like having a basket of, I love like bartender, bartender towels, like torn Mm -hmm. in half. That's like my favorite counter wipe down. Just having the basket nearby can make you reach for that instead of a paper towel. Yeah. And having a place also to toss it to make sure it gets to the laundry. That used to be a a bigger um, obstacle for me. Now my washing machine is like four steps from the kitchen and I just throw it around the corner. That's that's how I am now. But in the old day, in another house, I had a wire basket under the sink Mm -hmm. and that, you know, it gets stinky, but it's small. So you're going to, you're going to remember to take that little basket to the washer, you're, you're just going to, cause it's going to get also, stinky. Also, I just want to quickly say that it's okay to throw those things in with your clothes if you want. Like, oh, yeah, I and not, you know, do, maybe unless, not if it was like, like, if it was like soaked like in poop. bacon grease or something, but like <laughs> yeah, bacon grease, sometimes I'll just have one that's like, you know, I've just used my hands on it and I'm like, I'm just going to throw that in with my, you know, my jeans. Why not? Yeah, it does. So it doesn't have to be so your systems don't have to be so systematic that they get in the way of just getting, th- keeping things moving. Totally. Let's just put it that way. Agreed. And my last one, this is such a silly little thing, but I think it's just such a fun example of a little shift. So I am a nighttime yawner. Um, I yawn a lot when I'm falling asleep. And then when I, and when I'm like reading in bed, I yawn and then my eyes water. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I need to blow my nose and I need to wipe my eyes. And so I used to wake up with tissue everywhere, like wadded up under my pillow. And sometimes it'd be like in my clothes. I'd wash my clothes, my pajamas, and there would be like tissue. Oh, this is me. You're describing me. I am the old lady with tissue. So please sustainable me. They were everywhere. So one day Eric is like, and he would, you know, get up to go to the bathroom. I'd be like, would you grab me a tissue? And he said, you just want some handkerchiefs? And I thought, how weird. No, I'm not like, it's not a hundred years <laughs> ago. Grandpa. I don't need a hanky. Yeah. But he bought me a, a, you know, a package of hankies and I love them. And now pretty much unless I'm like traveling out someplace and don't have access to a hanky, I'm all hanky all the time. I love this um, so much. I had a couple of like concerns. <laughs> about hankies when I started that I want to just debunk for you. Yeah. Um, one is that I was afraid they wouldn't absorb the contents of my nose right. efficiently and that they'd be gross. But here's what I learned. Unless you have like a bad sinus infection or something, when you blow your nose, like not that much actually comes out. And mm-hmm. if, if you just have a runny nose or it's like um, you've just been crying or something and it's that, it's just tears. Like it, yeah. it's really just liquid. Yeah, and it's water. It, yeah, it's water. So it really is not a big deal. I was also afraid they would be kind of stiff mm-hmm. and rough on my yeah. nose. And they're actually very soft and better in a lot of ways than tissues. There's something about rubbing a tissue over your nose that just like if you keep doing it makes it raw. I have not had that happen with handkerchiefs. Um, and they don't get lost in the bed. I feel like, you know, yeah. I will like fold them up and put them next to my pillow and they're kind of easy to distinguish from my sheets. Yeah. So they just have a slightly different feel. I don't feel like they get lost and they were cheap. And I don't know. I don't, do you have any questions about handkerchiefs? I mean, I'm <laughs> the handkerchief I, life. What, what I can't <laughs> believe is that it never occurred to me. I mean, I am the person who has like a tissue in my hoodie pockets when I'm yeah. like around the house in my bathroom pocket. I have a box of tissues next to my bed, my desk in my office, in the kitchen. So, and I'm just, it's more like my mind is blown that this didn't occur to me and it seems so simple. So I'm just so impressed. I don't have, I don't think I have questions, but I think I covered my questions because I think I would have had the same, the same curiosities about, right. Would it be rough on my nose? Would it be gross? But yeah, I'm very pro hanky. And I think that a small shift like that just gets you thinking like, oh, okay, well, if I could stop buying tissue, I mean, I wasn't going through like 
boxes and boxes of tissue in a week. I think that this this impact on the actual environment is small, but it does get you thinking like, well, what else is possible? How else can I disrupt the thing I thought I had to do? Um, if I'm not using paper towels anymore now, I'm not using hankies anymore, like, or uh, tissues anymore. What else, what else could I do to not throw things away? And I think it just starts, it just starts you having that conversation with yourself. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. All right. Well, the next one I'm excited to talk about that I've really ramped up is um, thread up is what I like put in our outline that I want to talk about. But if you're not familiar, thread up is, I guess, thrifting online. It's an online secondhand clothing platform. It's an app. You can also um, donate your used clothes. Or cons- it's online consignment is um, the best way to to describe it, but I've also dabbled in other sites besides ThreadUp. So I guess the general category is um, online consignment and online thrifting, which can be very overwhelming. So I came prepared with, I guess, a few tips. Um, okay. And we're not sponsored by ThreadUp, so this isn't ThreadUp specific <laughs> plug. Although that, but I, have... I bet you would love to be because you love ThreadUp. Like you recommend really them do. to me a lot. So here's the thing with me and thrifting. When I was a teenager, I thrifted because it was the 90s. We had a lot of good thrift shops in my town. It was like what I did with my friends. And it was all about the score. Like I got a pair of jeans for $1.99 or I got this. And it was also a little bit about like that grunge look was kind of in too. So secondhand. And I got away from thrifting and I've gotten back to it. But what I there's been a real shift in the last year or so. Um, and I think I've in, in my middle age, I'm moving away from the economic score. Like, oh my gosh, can you believe I got this cardigan for $4? I mean, I fully admit I still get that thrill. I get the thrill of the chase and the thrill of the score when I find something really great for not very much money, but actually like how it works in my 
brain now is I really think when I need something or want something, clothing, decor, household items, I, I don't think like, where can I buy this? I think, can I buy this secondhand? And the answer isn't always yes, but it's become much more about like, I see the landfill in my mind. And I think if, if, if it's going to end up in the landfill anyway, could I take it off someone else's hand? So I, I, so there's not a new one being made to go to the landfill. I'm not, Megan, I'm not even saying that makes sense. That's just how it works in my brain. So you got to have the way you got to have your motivator. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, yeah. 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 So, um, coming back to thrifting clothing for myself and I mostly shop for myself on thread up, but I also shop a little bit for Violet. They have women's and kids clothes and shoes and accessories. Um, and my favorite thing to look for is brands that are a little higher end because they're going to last for a long time. So my, one of my like main tips is to, if you have a higher end brand that you already know is, um, works for you. So for me, Madewell, like I love Madewell. I love their clothes. I love their jeans. I kind of know my size in Madewell. So I will just go on there and, um, narrow the search, like as narrow as I can get it. So my sizes, what I'm looking for, and then a couple of brands, one or two brands that I love, and I will just see what they've got. So I don't usually shop thread up when I'm looking for something really, really specific. Um, I more when I more do it when I'm like, huh, um, the weather's getting colder. I could use a refresh on my sweaters and I will go on there and, um, put in my sizes, put in J crew made well and banana Republic or something like that. Um, and see what comes up. And then I guess my next tip is to, it's kind of like an experiment. Like thrifting is not like buying clothes that are new. Like it's just, it's just a different experience. Um, and for me, that is a little bit fun and novel. I think for some people it's can be disappointing if you get something and it doesn't work out. I will say that the quality of things on fret on thread up, you can narrow again to, um, things that are new with tags. So some of what I buy, I don't think anybody's ever worn. I think it just didn't get returned or, you know, it didn't make it back to the store, but it still has tags on and some are gently used. So I don't know. I'll stop there and, and see what yeah. questions you have. Well, you know that I've, this has been a problem for me and I've asked you several times to help me. And you always give me that very good advice. I think the part that I'm not starting with is really having that good understanding of a brand. I love that, that fits mm. my current body mm-hmm. and that I have to like, start there. Yeah. Maybe I have to go do a try on session again. I would have said like, Oh yeah, Banana Republic like 5 years ago, but I'm not sure that's true anymore. Like I'm not yeah. sure I under really understand my size anymore. I don't know that I identify with the um their clothes line like their lines the way I used to. So, I feel like that is where you need to start and even I'm not even there yet. Yeah. Like I need to figure that out. So, um cuz I love the idea and I love to thrift other things besides clothing. I do yeah. a lot of dishware and um I've done a lot of furniture and things like that. Like I'm wired that way. I really love the hunt and I also feel like it it kind of like um, fills that I want to go shop yes. part of your head without I feel you that actually yes. just blowing a bunch of money. Clothing has been the thing that I have just not figured out. Another another idea that might help would be if, like I said, it, it is a little bit of experimenting. So if you bought something that didn't need to fit perfectly, I'm thinking of like a really funky scarf or even like... Um, like, like a drapey sweater or something like a handbag, something that like, just to like, see what the process is like from start to finish. Um, and then you're not wearing as many jeans these days. Right. But jeans would be another one where if you have a pair of jeans, you like, you can look to see if they have the exact same brand and size. And there's not that much mystery at that point. You're just ordering a dupe of something you already have. The other thing that I think is hard for me when it comes to shopping online for, um, used clothing or secondhand is that they are usually not shown as an outfit and they're shown on a mannequin. And it's like, my brain cannot connect the dots. Oh, that's interesting. I'll look at it and be like, all I see is a shirt. I don't, but like, what would it look like on a human? I just, it's really hard. So again, I guess this is an example of something that maybe just doesn't need to be my thing (laughs) for me. You know, maybe my thing is like finding a way to, um, purchase fewer things I feel bad about for my own closet and not in this way, but 
at just because we are recording this right before the holiday, I will just say that in the last few weeks, I have done enough returns, mm. um, which you know how I feel about returns, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. I have done enough returns of crappy fast fashion that I only bought because it was fed to me on Instagram. Yeah. And I thought maybe I'll wear this to a holiday party or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Like how many holiday parties was I even invited to? And then realize the downside, yeah. the boxes, the packaging, the return process, the yeah. like it's all this. It's just so much. And I think anything we can do, whether it's buy smarter or buy less yeah, or buy in a new way, yeah. um, it all counts. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, but I, I love that for you. And I love hearing about your finds because it is fun. Yeah, it is. And um, I'm happy to help. Should you like to pursue it? And also happy to acknowledge that it just might not be for you. Do you I mean, do you do much? in-person secondhand shopping. I've done a tiny amount of that. And it's been like when it happens sort of randomly, I find that it can be really fun. But when I go into a, like a very full thrift store with like jeans crammed onto a, I can't handle that. Like it just, no. And it it smells like old detergent. I just, yeah. I did a big thrift store haul this fall. I think I was sending you pictures because I was oh, at were. the car dealership and it's right across the street. And I like, I like flew through. I was so happy. And I bought a bunch of like Halloween decor. I tend to look for little household items. Um, I have had good luck with kids shoes at our local thrift store. So yes, I do some secondhand shopping in person. It's like, for me, it has to line up being in the right mood with being near the actual store. And I think you're right. It's that urge to shop that we all, well, a lot of us get and that and thread up that little like dopamine hit of scoring something feels like it happens more often with my computer and my phone in my hand than out in the world. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. It's like add to cart. Yes, it is like add to cart. Um, And if it ends up going back to a local thrift shop because it didn't work for me, that somehow feels like I've done less harm because it was. Well, yeah, you haven't initially. It was already in the cycle. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, the next one I have is um, very different from the other. And this just kind of happened. Like I did not go out of my way or like have a premeditated idea that this was a way that I was going to be sustainable. I think it was like other things lined up and then this happened. And that is that I am barely eating at restaurants anymore. Oh, um, except when we travel. And even then I think we're both getting good about, um, bringing snacks for a big part of the trip, Mm -hmm. grocery shopping when we get to where we are saving leftovers, things like that. So the way it happened was that, um, I just started to get kind of grumpy. I was actually reading a, a study the other day that said that restaurant prices have gone up like astronomically. Mm -hmm. And I didn't notice for a while. It was like post COVID and everybody wanted to go out and support restaurants, which I love that idea. Like I love supporting restaurants. I want restaurant owners and workers to be able to make a living, but suddenly it like must've hit some kind of critical mass where I was like, wait now, like it it was going up, up, up. And like the tipping expectations were going up, up, up. And I, it was just kind of happening slowly, like a, boiling frog or a frog in boiling water. And then one day I looked at my bill and thought, what on earth? What, what, like, did I just pay for? I don't even, it was just like a mediocre burger. Yeah. And I did it just to go out and have a burger in some other environment than my home. But there's other ways to do that. I could just go out and have a drink. I could just, you know, there's go have an appetizer, whatever. So we started getting really intentional about meal planning, which I've always been, but I used to plan for more nights that I wouldn't be cooking. Like I, I would plan for restaurant yeah, nights yeah. and I kind of just stopped doing that. And we, and then we also at the same time became more careful about using up leftovers mm-hmm. and pretty soon we just weren't going out that much. And it, so it wasn't like I said, I'm not going out to eat. It was more like, okay, well let's use our money in other ways mm-hmm. and let's just be really good about um, making sure that like our food, our, our grocery plan is under control. And then next thing you know, that having more food in the house meant less of that, like, Oh, I'm really hungry. I don't feel like cooking. Let's go out. So we're just really not anymore. And the every now and then we will go out and have a really good meal, like at a restaurant where we know we'll get a really good meal. 
And it feels like I don't have to feel bad about the money we're spending mm-hmm. on really good food. Um, and the rest of the time, I'm like, okay, it, I, I know that there's a lot of waste in the restaurant industry. And I also know that I don't have a lot of control over the way my food was raised or that um, my meat was harvested, those things. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't have a lot of control over that in most restaurants that are available in my area. And yeah. that has been something that's become more and more important to me, you know, less about what we're throwing away, but more about where the source yeah. of the food is and what are the practices that are being used to create it. And I don't know, like the whole thing, it just kind of all coalesced at once, yeah. I think. And that has been the result. And um, we're more likely now to share a meal yeah. because I don't want to throw food away or like take it home and make breakfast out of it the next day. Like it's all of those things build on each other. And sometimes it can just start with one of the things. Well, and something I loved about what you just said is that when you do go out and spend the money, it feels intentional and it feels really special and like Mm -hmm. you can enjoy it even more. And I think that's probably a through line of a lot of what we're talking about is it's not all or nothing. It's not quitting all of the good things in life just to be a like better steward of the environment. Like that's not actually what it's about at all. It's, it's more about that, like enjoying something when it's truly meaningful and then checking the impulse to do it all the time when you don't need to, whatever that thing, whether it's shopping, scrolling, buying, eating. Yeah. Well, there's diminishing returns too. So like maybe I know for myself when my, when I had little kids, I never went out. Um, like when my, all of my kids were really little. Right. And then as they started to get bigger, I would be able to get a sitter or I'd be able to leave them home and we would be able to go out. And then that feels really good. And then you're like, well, let's do that again. Cause right. that felt great. Let's and do then that you all do the time. Again. Yeah. Let's do that all the time. Cause that feels amazing. And then at some point you're like, oh, but it just, it's not the same anymore. I'm not getting the same benefits. I'm now just trying to fill a hole or like, I'm just doing, I'm doing the same thing over and over and over thinking I'm going to get those results, but actually it's diminishing returns. It's getting, and now it's actually starting to feel bad, like eating too much cake. It's like, it's starting to feel like when I pay the bill, it feels gross because I know like, I don't really, I I wish I hadn't spent $150 on that meal. I would have liked to have put that in savings or kept it. Yeah. Um, and I'll say on the other side, so there's like the diminishing returns that are happening and, and making me feel worse and worse. And then at the same time, my everything about feeding my kids simplified. So I don't think that's something we can blow past. The fact that right. I have two teenagers instead of five people of all different ages in the house, I can see the food. When I open the refrigerator, I can literally see all the food. Like mm-hmm. I can see what's being eaten. They're eating a much more predictable amount yeah. than my household was, you know, consuming a couple of years ago. Um, I've just figured out some ways to kind of repackage leftovers in a way that works for my kids. And that would be on rice. I make in the rice cooker, like doesn't uh-huh. matter whatever it is. They'll eat it if I put it on rice. And I'm also married to somebody now who is really good about helping me manage the fridge mm-hmm. and the contents of the fridge. Cause he hates waste more than I do. Mm-hmm. So all of those things have led to this. It's yeah. not like one day I was like, I'm just not going to eat out anymore. Right and stopped. It was like all the other little choices and realizations have gotten me here. And I think that's an interesting way of like backing into something uh-huh. yeah. as well. I love that. Well, let's finish today by acknowledging a few ways where we are not at all sustainable right now. And maybe we can say whether that's something we want to work on or maybe not. Maybe it's just the way it is. And I can, um, I'll just throw out a few to start. Um, my dishwasher pods and laundry pods situation, I've actually gone backwards. I was using a much more environmentally friendly brand um, that was in a pod form, but it was like a, you know, was not going to, it was going to all disintegrate, no plastic, blah, blah, blah. And they just stopped working. It wasn't cleaning my dishes. Um, And I moved away from that brand and now I'm back to pretty mainstream um, pods in both the dishwasher and the laundry. And I'm on the fence about whether I want to make a change. If I make a change, it would be on the laundry side. I don't think my dishwasher is going to clean my dishes with an environmentally friendly soap right now. You can come at me. You can hit me up with your best alternatives. I've tried some of them and they're not cleaning my dishes. Laundry. um, I think if I found the right, you know, people are using these laundry sheets now. There's no Mm -hmm. pod. 
No. I'm open to that, um, but I haven't tried it. So that's that's one area. Can I just interject really quick? Of course. Okay. One thing, I know you and I are both dishwasher challenged. Yes. Like seriously dishwasher challenged. So I'm not asking this because I know anything at all. I'm, But I will say, do you think it's possible there's something maintenance wise that could be done to your dishwasher to fix the issue? So we went down that whole road when I was using public goods pods that were environmentally friendly. And I was cleaning the filter. I was watching YouTubes. I was descaling and deliming, and I was doing all of that. And it didn't occur to me to switch out the actual pods. And when I switched to Cascade Platinum, <laughs> well, Sarah, everything it's Platinum. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, you everything. can't get better yeah. than that. <laughs> so yeah, I have googled all of the like changing filters, cleaning yeah. out. Yeah, I've done all of that in the natural way and the other way, and it was the detergent. Or the okay, pod. and here's my other question for you. And this is more probably on the laundry side. Um, I just wonder if pods themselves are the problem. Mm -hmm. And I've thought about that myself too. Like if I were to switch to something completely environmentally friendly for either dishwasher or laundry, and I've kind of gone back and forth too, I would probably just use a powder. Yeah, that's a good point. Completely get away from pods. That's a brand, I mean, that's a really relatively new like invention Mm -hmm. that I guess is meant for convenience, but. Is it that inconvenient to scoop something out of a box? Right, right. I don't know. Yeah. So just just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, okay, this one is maybe silly, but I've never been great about small-scale energy conservation in my home, like turning lights off. I try to turn lights off when I leave a room or part of the house, but I am not militant about it, and I'm not militant with my kids about it, and I leave the house sometimes with certain lights on. Um and so I, I'm just owning that as something that's not particularly on my radar. Now we have solar, so our electric bill is not a problem right now. Obviously, if we if I felt like we were wasting and we're pretty good about water usage in the home, but I'm not great about that either. And I'm a Californian. We've all like we all grew up in droughts in the 90s where we were like had to like use the same shower, like shower water to flush the toilet and all this crazy stuff. And I'm just not great. I'm not great at like, yeah, I guess house, household use, household efficiency, sustainability is kind of not on my radar some of the time. Well, I'm right with you. I'm terrible at it. Okay. I will say that I am married to a man now who is <laughs> extremely good at it. Okay. And one thing that works also, we've talked about this before that he wired all the, yes. he did all the lighting yes. design and none of the plugs or none of the light switches make sense to me still. But one thing that actually is helpful is in, in our house, there are designated leave on all the time lights. Okay. So though, like there's, um, a couple pendants over the Island. Those are always on. Okay. And there's like one other one in the house that is always on. And somehow that helps me because when I leave the house, I don't like to come home to a pitch black house. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you kind of know which one. Yeah. So I yeah. know which one. So if I ever walk through a room and anything besides those lights are on and I'm leaving, I just know to go fumble around and hit every switch in the room until I finally figure out which one turns off the other lights. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Okay. Well, I could be better. That could be a little 2024 resolution. Um, Okay. And this one is actually, I think on my kind of something I would like to learn more about. And that is landscaping. Our home was landscaped before we bought it. And honestly, it was a huge part of the curb appeal, but it, um, we have grass in front and back. Um, We have some plants that are native, but I think we have some that are not native. I am interested in more like, um, I guess, yeah, sustainable and uh, drought resistant and native planting for all kinds of reasons. But I'm like totally an, uh, a newbie when it comes to learning about it. I joined my local botanic garden this year and oh, they fun. do some fun content and classes around all of that. This is like a long term thing. It's more like it. Let's say I had a landscaping project I wanted to do for my home. Moving forward, I would like to have a, a sustainability lens over that. I'm not looking to rip everything out that's here now, but I am yeah. aware that that we are not we're not like making the we're not acing it on sustainability with our current landscaping right now. I was going to ask if if in your research you have found that uh there is a way to do it slowly. Like because it feels like some plants might not live or not, might not be able to thrive if you didn't tear other stuff out first. I'm sure yeah. there's a way to do it where you tear think some things out and put other things in. And yeah. I, 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 it's like Greek to me. I yeah, wouldn't know I how think to do I that. would probably start really small. There's a few like sections of the yard that don't really have much going on at all. And so I might 
like ask our landscapers, like, like, Hey, could we plant something here? That's from this list that I got at the botanic garden. And maybe they'd say like, yeah, great. Or like, no, that won't work. So I think I could, I could learn, um, an experiment. Okay. And then this last one, I guess, isn't, it's not like an area where I'm failing. It's just sort of an area I'm not as much interested in. And that is when I think about doing something more sustainably, I almost never think, oh, I'm going to make my own. I'm going to make my own counter spray. I'm going to make my own um, whatever it is. And I know for a lot of people, that is a really appealing part of sustainability. And I think I usually come back to how can I use less of something or how can I get this thing in a more sustainable way? But I'm not a big DIYer. And I'm, I don't think that's on my, that's not on my 24, 2024 um, to-do list, really. It's just not how I'm wired. Yeah. And I think that that is definitely one of those things. Like we all have our own incentives and we all are incentivized by different things. And for me, I'm definitely like, I love the idea of DIYing. I Mm want to make all my own everything, but but that wouldn't be any different from how I am about literally everything else. Uh I don't want to join anybody else's book club. I want to make my own. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Like that's just how I'm wired. I think for me, one thing that I am slowly working towards changing is just being less consumption oriented generally. And for me, the opposite of that is doing is DIYing. So Mm -hmm. like, for example, I was like embroidering handkerchiefs, you know, um, and have been doing that as a little project. Now, first of all, you can blow your nose in a hanky that doesn't have any embroidery, embroidery on it. And embroidery in general does not do anything. (laughs) It is not helping, like it's not reducing any waste. Yeah. But there's something about the mindset of yeah. making something mm-hmm. for me that like puts me in a creative mood or a creative mode and not a consumption mode. I totally know what you mean. It is yeah. like it's a it's like a system reset that yeah. leads to less consumption. Yes. But yeah. And if for me, the creative part of of the, the creative itch that is scratched through that kind of DIY is the same itch that I sometimes try to scratch with shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a better, it, to me, it's like a, a more productive way to scratch that itch. Yeah. That's less, that's like less mindlessly clicking and scrolling. And so for me, the two things I'm going to talk about that I'm, that I've been really failing at, um, well, really the one thing it's online shopping. And I don't even, I don't feel like I have a shopping problem. I'm not somebody who has boxes everywhere. It's just problematic enough that it's really annoying. Mm-hmm. And I feel you're annoyed with sheepish. yourself. <laughs> I feel very sheepish about the number of boxes I have to break down. I, and then I'm just like, why did I do that? That was mm-hmm. so dumb. Like I didn't need that. Here's a really funny thing earlier this year or last year now, 2023, I canceled Amazon Prime and then it somehow came back. Sarah, I don't know how this happened. Oh. So I had a financial advisor that I was talking to and, you know, she like looked at the categories. I was um, Fearless Finance who mm-hmm. worked with us as a sponsor and she looked at the categories of spending. She's like, you know, I think you could probably just scale back your Amazon. It looks like a lot of impulse shopping. That's that's <laughs> yeah. something that happens. That's and normal. I, I had, yeah. And I was right in the middle of moving at the time. So I, it made a lot of sense because I was kind of like re like furnish furnishing a new place. But, um, she just said, you know, I just recommend canceling it. It's not like you can't order on Amazon, but you probably won't as much mm-hmm. or you won't in the same way. So I was like, okay, so I canceled it and it did help. And then one day I got on Amazon and went to go like use the shipping that takes longer mm-hmm. and that you have to pay for if you don't have prime. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden like prime was back. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I just ordered it. (laughs) Then it was so probably what happened is that I set it to not renew or something. I mean, I don't know what happened. I truly, I truly don't. But it, what was really funny was that when I got it back, I was like, Oh, I guess it was just God's will. And then I just (laughs) started buying stuff on Amazon that I didn't eat again. And now there are a million other ways that you can buy things easily without thinking about it. Um, like direct when you from log Instagram, in, like you just well, click and yeah, you just click or like the shopping, like there's shop pay, there's a firm, there's Klarna, there's all these things where you don't even have to have money yeah. now. And it's, it's kind of a problem. You, you go on these sites and there's four ways to pay. Most of which have your 
details somehow saved in them. And I'm like, okay, it knows my address. It knows where I am. It knows how to link to my PayPal. It knows how, like it, there's no excuse to not buy this thing. So that is something that I'm getting a C minus in right now. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to get that to a B plus. One change I am seriously considering for 2024 is dumping my old email address that I've now had for, I don't know, 15 years and starting over. I've done it before and I feel like it's time to do it again Mm -hmm. because I get a lot of shopping emails. Yeah. And even if I don't open but one in a hundred, it still primes my brain to think I should buy stuff or I'm missing out on a sale or whatever. I don't even know that it's happening. I don't think it's happening, but it's happening. I know. And we're, yeah, we're coming off the holiday season where, yeah, there's just a kind of a mental drain, um, to feeling so marketed to. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, we've got to have some things to work on this year, right? That's true. (laughs) And I'm not trying to get an A, not even an A minus, just a B plus. Just, Just up the grade a little. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We love hearing from you and maybe what sustainability practices uh, are on your goals list for this year. Or if you get really excited about hankies or thrifting, um, let us know. We're hello at themomhour.com. We also have discussions in our private Facebook group for listeners, which we will link up in the show notes. And Megan, next week, we have a fun episode featuring... Sarah Lindbergh and Joanna Martin from our team. And they are going to be talking about household efficiency, which actually is a great follow-up to this because um, reducing friction and drag from your household systems and appliances is also a way to free up mental space. And it kind of dovetails with sustainability a little bit. So that's a really fun conversation coming up next Tuesday. And Megan, I will talk to you soon. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get the essential calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour.